Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. You're here news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is from Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And we are changing gears yet again. Uh, I've got to feature a new artist in a serial now for the next three weeks on the show. It is Colonial Radio Theater on the Air, a company based just down in Boston, not far from Radio, where Radio Drama Revival originates in Portland, Maine. A ton of great stuff. Um, they've done everything from historical uh, retellings like Paul Revere, spooky stories, um, some amazingly awesome work for uh, with Ray Bradbury. Um, those things uh, won the Ogle Award, I believe, in 2007 um, for their piece. Um, all, all sorts of good stuff. Um, they've been featured a lot on the Sonic Society, so it may not be an unfamiliar name. The piece today um, you may not have heard over there is called The Yankee Clipper and the Adventure of the Golden Sphinx. It's a sort of a classic-feeling tale of adventure set in um, uh, 19th century Egypt and involving strange curses, tombs, a fast-sailing ship, all kinds of elements of a great high adventure on the seas. Enjoy Yankee Clipper. Yankee Clipper. Colonial Radio Theater on the Air presents Yankee Clipper. The starring players... This is J.T. Turner. This is Joseph Zamparelli Jr. Shane Clark. Jeremy Benson. And this is Sam Donato. The Colonial Radio Theater presents the weekly adventures of the clipper ship Yankee Spirit as she sails on her most dangerous assignment in the year 1868. It stars J.T. Turner as Captain Martin Hawk, Joseph Zamparelli Jr. as Captain Luther Penrose, Jeremy Benson as Adam Dalton, Shane Clark as Cooper, and Sam Donato as Angus Reed. Tonight on Yankee Clipper, Chapter 1, The Treasures of the Prince. Good morning, sir. You're up bright and early. I had the watch, sir. Land, sir. Mr. Reed, shorten the foresail, if you would, please. Take in the main topmast sail. Aye, Captain. Mr. Yardley, we shall shorten the foresail and take in the main topmast sail. Mr. Dalton. Aye, sir. Please inform Mr. Reed and Mr. Cooper that I wish to see them in my cabin. You as well. Aye, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, sir. I don't need to tell you all that up until now our voyage from Boston has been a well-guarded secret. Not even my first mate knows our destination. True at that, sir. Those were my orders. However, as you have already determined, we are now in the Mediterranean Sea and nearing the coast of Egypt. That, gentlemen, is our destination. Egypt, sir? Yes, Mr. Dalton. We've been hired by the New York Museum of Ancient History to transport some rather valuable cargo. Uh, what kind of cargo, sir? Have any of you heard of Professor Donald Curtis? No. Archaeologist, isn't he? Quite right, Mr. Cooper. Professor Curtis of the New York Museum of Ancient History has been in Egypt for several years searching for the tomb of an Egyptian prince, long thought to be only legend. And indeed, he has found it. Now, many of the artifacts need to be transported to the museum. A tomb? Correct. Where in Egypt? The Valley of the Kings. Sounds rather creepy. We sail Yankee Spirit to the port of Alexandria, and from there we travel by caravan to the Valley of the Kings. It's over 250 miles. It'll take perhaps a week to get there by land. 
Now I know why you decided to have those swivel guns put on board for this voyage. This will be a valuable cargo. If word is out that the tomb has been discovered, every pirate in the Mediterranean will be looking for us. We can outdistance any ship we come in contact with. The beauty of the Yankee Clippers. Mr. Cooper, Mr. Dalton, you shall accompany me. Mr. Reed, you shall stay here in command of the spirit. We'll take five crewmen with us to the Valley of the Kings. Sounds like I'll have time to repair the sails. We took a beating in that last storm. Deck there! Sail home! A sail? That's all, gentlemen. Look out! We're away! Dead astern, Captain! Just on the horizon! Mr. Dalton, would you hand me my telescope? Aye, Captain, here you are, sir. Thank you, Mr. Dalton. I don't see a sail. Neither do I. Look out! Do you still see the sail? No, Captain! You're certain you saw something? Aye, Captain! Odd. He must be seeing things. A mirage. Or else the ship didn't want to be seen. Guard at the gangway at all times. Mr. Reed, allow no one on board. Those off duty may have shore leave at your discretion. Very good, Captain. I've never seen a more beautiful port. Look, that building over there. Those ruins. Those ruins, Mr. Dalton, were once the palace of Queen Cleopatra. Half the people in the market are watching us. Well, they've never seen a clipper ship before. Now what, Captain? Now we wait for our guide. He will take us to the Valley of the Kings. How do we find him? You'll find us. Sir, maybe it's that man down there. See, in, in the dark purple robe. Gaunt, isn't he? Look at his face. His skin looks like dried leather. And that scowl. Welcome to Alexandria. He's walking this way. Must be the guide. What luck. Mr. Cooper. Sorry, sir. He's walking up the gangplank. It's him. I am in I am Captain Martin Hawk of the Yankee Spirit. This is Mr. Cooper, my first mate, Mr. Reed, my sailing master, and this is Mr. Dalton, my second mate. I am to take you to the Valley of the Kings. Yes. You are ready now? Yes. Yes, we're ready. Mr. Reed, any questions? None. Very well. I want the Spirit ready to sail the moment we get the cargo in the hold. Shall be ready. Any Herit, lead on. never known it to be so hot. Miles and miles, nothing but burning sand. Yeah, looks like an ocean. An ocean of sand. Any Herod, do you live in Alexandria? No. I see. The prince who was buried in this tomb. Prince Erepis. He was long thought to be a legend from what I understand, that he never really existed. He existed. Well, we know that now. Where's my canteen? Ah, here. Would you like some water, any Herod? No. Allison, what do you make of him, any Herod? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of the artifacts Professor Curtis found when he first went into the tomb. <laughs> Captain Hawk? Aye, sir. I am Martin Hawk. You must be Professor Curtis. I am. I trust you had an uneventful journey. Uh, very much so. We can only pray that it is the same for the return trip. Yes. 
please, under my tent fly, let's get out of the sun. It is a remarkable discovery. So far we've found over 75 different chambers. I think there could be as many as 100. All along the corridor to the main entrance are passages from the Book of the Dead in a remarkable state of preservation. The colors are still vivid and hardly any decay. How old is the tomb? 19th Dynasty, somewhere around 1190 B.C. What will we be bringing to the museum, Professor? I have the items cataloged and ready to go. Funerary items, onyx statues, vases, chairs, and another item I will show you once we are inside. How heavy are these items? Oh, I don't think they'll be any heavier than the normal cargo you are used to carrying. For the most part, they are small. Are we bringing the mummy of the prince back with us? We haven't found the prince's burial chamber yet. Corridors offshoot from other corridors like a maze, and it's black as pitch in there. There is, however, an item that has been discovered that I think you shall find quite interesting. What? I will show you when we enter the tomb. Only a handful of my workers know of it. I'm trying to keep it that way until it's safely aboard your ship. Sounds intriguing. Now, if you would care to join me, we can enter the tomb. The air is quite stale below. In fact, when we opened the tomb, we were breathing air from thousands of years past, and the fragrance of spices that were used in the burying of the dead were still lingering. Quite strong, actually, as if they'd been placed there only a week before. Here, just a square tunnel going into a sand dune. How did you ever find this place, Professor? Years of searching and process of elimination, Mr. Cooper. The rest of the world thought this prince was only a legend, but you knew he existed? Yes. The references to him from other sources of the time were too exact. I thought if he were legend, the historical writings about him would be more fanciful. You know how legends are built up. But in the case of Prince Oripus, the writings were always consistent, as if actual recorded history. I knew he must be real. This tomb proves it. How do you know this is his tomb? Inside the first corridor. Here. Look, this inscription. What does it say? It says, Oripus. Corridor is so narrow. Even with the torches you put on the wall, it still seems dark. All these colors flickering from the flames. Kind of scary looking. I suppose one could call it scary. I never look at it that way. All these hieroglyphics on the wall, they tell a story, don't they? Yes. The remarkable thing about this tomb as then in all the other ones that have been discovered over the years, the hieroglyphics almost always depict daily life and the life of the one buried there. In the case of Oripus, the drawings are, as you can see, quite violent, bloody. He was a warrior? It's possible. Or it could be that he used violence to try to obtain the throne. We just don't know yet. Chariots are in so many of these hieroglyphics. It appears that he possibly led an army of charioteers. We found a chamber that has a chariot in it, made from gold and turquoise, a near-perfect state of preservation. I am certain that it must have belonged to Oripus himself. You shall be taking that with you as well. And the corridor is quite steep here. Yes, it descends quite dramatically to the next level. Once the extent of our findings are made public, I am curious to see how the people of Egypt react to the knowledge that one of their legends 
has in fact become a reality. Well, and he here it said that he knew Oripus existed. Who? The guy who brought us here. Inherit. Inherit. I don't know who that is. Well, the guy. He met us in Alexandria. I sent Eric Reardon to meet you, one of my assistants. I thought it was strange when you rode into camp alone. I... I thought Eric may have veered off to his tent. I was so excited at your arrival, I didn't think anything of it. I just naturally assumed he brought you in. Professor Curtis, any Herod was on the lead horse. You must have seen him. We stopped right in front of you. All I saw was an empty horse. No one riding it. Impossible. I assure you, Captain Hawk, I saw no one on the horse. Mr. Cooper. Yes, Captain? Make your way back to the surface, if you would. Find any Herod and keep him in your sight until we return. Aye, Captain. I... I don't understand. Maybe, maybe it's the sun playing tricks on me. How could I not see a rider and a horse in front of my very eyes? And what could have happened to Eric Reardon? I don't know, Professor. Let's, let's continue. This way. In here, gentlemen, this is the chamber that holds the artifact that is a crown jewel of this discovery. Mr. Dalton, would you please bring that torch you carry forward to me, please? There. It shines bright, even in the dim light of the torch. Amazing. I've never seen anything like it. A golden sphinx, in pristine condition. Solid gold, and one of the best examples I've ever seen. It's huge. And made from a solid piece of gold. I could find no seams. Gentlemen, the value of this artifact is staggering. How staggering? Priceless. It is four feet long and five feet high. All solid gold, the eyes black onyx, and it sits on a base of solid silver. And see? Chariots carved into the base. Professor, you want us to take this back to the museum in New York? Yes. I know it is risky, but your clipper ship is the fastest on the ocean, and I know it is the safest way to get it there. You can outrun anything that might try to stop you. Sir? Mr. Dalton? Sir, the face on the Sphinx... Have you noticed anything odd about it? Yes, Mr. Dalton. I have noticed. Noticed what? Professor, the face on this sphinx bears a striking resemblance to our guide, Inny Herit. The guide who I could not see. Sir, I... I don't like this. Something else is troubling me about this guide. What would that be? His name. Inny Herit? What about it? Egyptian names always mean something. For instance, Aki-Iki means... Friendly. Abayomi means brings joy, but Iniherit. What does that mean? Iniherit. He who brings back the distant one. Don't go away. Yankee Clipper returns in just a few moments. We continue now with Yankee Clipper, starring J.T. Turner as Captain Martin Hawk, Joseph Zamparelli Jr. as Captain Luther Penrose, Jeremy Benson as Adam Dalton, Shane Clark as Cooper, and Sam Donato as Angus Reed.
That's the last of the artifacts from this chamber, Captain. All that remains is the Golden Sphinx. The workers are building a crate for it. It's going to take some time getting out of the room. We may need to remove some of the wall, Professor Curtis. I understand. You look concerned, Mr. Dalton. I can't stop thinking about any error. We've been here for two days now, and we haven't seen him since we arrived. Well, there isn't much more we can do about it. I know, sir. It's just, well... Now don't worry, Mr. Dalton. We'll soon be back aboard Yankee Spirit and bound for New York. Why don't you go topside and relieve Mr. Cooper? Get out of this stale air. All right, sir. Do you know your way out, Mr. Dalton? Yes, Professor. I do. Thank you. It is easy to get disoriented down here. Even with the torch, it's so dark. It'll be fine. Back the distant one. Distant one. Is someone there? Mr. Dalton, here. Light your torch with this one. I see. How did you find this room? I took a wrong turn and came across a wall. There seemed to be a loose brick. I touched it, and the wall opened. Thousands of bones all, all over the room. Skulls, spears, swords. And look, chariots. A dozen at least. Most of them falling apart. Have you ever seen anything like this before, Professor? On the floor. See those helmets? These are helmets that were worn by soldiers of the 19th dynasty. They were soldiers? It was common that they would bury servants with a pharaoh, and even household pets, to keep them company of the world, but this I have never seen. Over here on the wall, these hieroglyphics, can you make out what they say? The army of Oripus, ever watchful, 
ever protecting. All invaders shall die by the swords of Oropus. He had his army killed and buried in this room? That would be my guess. I would not be surprised that behind one of these walls lies the burial chamber of the prince. Professor, judging by the piles of these remains, how many would you say died here? Purely a guess. Over 1,000. Incredible. Please tell me we're not going to search for the prince. Oh, yes. I shall search for the prince, but, but not today. This, this will take time. The position of every artifact will need to be recorded and tagged, and the, the bones will need to be carefully removed. For now, come, let's make our way back to the surface. Mr. Dalton. Mr. Dalton, are you with us? Hmm? Oh, sorry, sir. What is it? There were voices down there, Captain. What kind of voices? From inside the room, where the, where the bones were. Before the wall even opened, I could hear voices in there. What were they saying? Some of it I couldn't make out, but... At other times, they were calling my name. Well, that could have been me. I was calling you when we realized you took the wrong corridor. No, sir. It wasn't you. I have read that many of these tombs are cursed, that everyone who takes from them meets an untimely death. That's legend, Mr. Dalton, pure legend. Professor, I would tend to agree with you had it not been for the fact that we were guided here by a man who appears to have vanished off the face of the earth, and you yourself only saw a riderless horse. Something odd is indeed going on here. Science. Is the only thing going on here, Captain. Science. Journal of the Yankee Spirit, October 20, 1868. We left the Valley of the Kings just before dawn, this time with a guide selected from the professor's staff. We traveled with 13 wagons, all filled with the artifacts from the tomb of Oripus. And in the middle of this caravan, sealed in a giant wooden crate, was the Golden Sphinx. After four uneventful days crossing the desert sand, all eyes constantly darting right and left to cover every angle, searching for any herit, we at last spotted the masts of the spirit, looking as if they were protruding from the dunes of the hot Egyptian sands. And then, the distant buildings of Alexandria rose from the earthen bed like a volcano at birth. But something was different. Yes, the masts of another ship could be seen. I could not help but wonder if this was the ship whose sails we saw on the horizon as we approached Alexandria so many days ago. Several hours later, we were winding our way down the busy market street, watching the spirit get closer with every step. I saw the crew climbing the rigging and making ready to sail. Mr. Reed was following his orders to the letter, and I, for one, was quite ready to leave this place. Docked directly behind Yankee Spirit was another ship, one I recognized immediately. The Black Arrow, out of Salem. Captain! It's good to see you again. Good to be seen, Mr. Reed. When did the Black Arrow arrive? The day you left for the Valley of the Kings. Here they docked the same evening. I see. Has Captain Penrose paid his respects? No, sir. In fact, it appears that no one has left the ship at all. 
It's been giving me the creeps. It's like a ghost ship. No activity at all from her decks. I want to get as far away from Captain Penrose as possible, Mr. Reed. All those wagons need to be unloaded and stored in the hold. But see that wagon I'm pointing to? The one being pulled by four horses? I see it. That one goes first. Immediately, if you would. And it's heavy. You'll need to use the block and tackle. Aye, Captain! Come in. Captain, we have a problem. What is it? Sir, we were raising the Golden Sphinx with the crane, and the support beam broke. Snapped right in half. What? Should have carried the weight with no problem. It broke, sir. I'll never get it on board by using the gangway. Too awkward, too heavy. How long to make repairs to the support beam? We have the spare mizzen mast down below. We may be able to jimmy something using that, but it's almost dark and it will take some time. The mast has to come up in sections. We'll start on it tonight. Let's just get the mast on deck and then we'll make the repair in the morning. I want two armed men on the dock all night in ships guarding the Sphinx. Aye, Captain. What time is it, George? Two in the morning. I don't know why we have to stand guard over this thing. It weighs a ton. It's not like someone can just walk off with it. Captain's orders. Must be important. He had a spare mast brought on deck tonight so he can lift this crate on board in the morning. And now everyone's sleeping except us. I hate being on watch at night. Uh, Stop complaining. (laughs) Hey, did you hear that? Yeah. Halt! Don't come any closer. Stop, I say. Who are you? I am Inherit, he who brings back the distant one. Yeah? Well, sorry, but this place is off limits. Is it? You've been listening to Yankee Clipper, The Adventure of the Golden Sphinx, starring J.T. Turner as Captain Martin Hawk, Joseph Zamparelli Jr. as Captain Luther Penrose, Jeremy Benson as Adam Dalton, Shane Clark as Cooper, and Sam Donato as Angus Reed. Co-starring were Craig Ciampa as Roger Calvin, Lincoln Clark as Professor Curtis, and Jim Murphy as Eni Herrett. Yankee Clipper is written, produced, and directed by yours truly. Executive producer is Mark Vandenberg, and the music was by Jeffrey Gage. Join us again for the next exciting chapter, The Black Arrow, on Yankee Clipper, The Adventure of the Golden Sphinx. This is Jerry Robbins saying goodnight from Boston. This has been a production of the Colonial Radio Theater on the air. And that was the first episode of Yankee Clipper and the Adventure of the Golden Sphinx, a serial adventure story from Colonial Radio Theater, Colonial Radio Theater, the uh, feature this month on Radio Drama Revival. Uh, if you do want to learn more about Colonial Radio Theater, find them on the web at www.colonialradio.com, colonialradio.com. In the meantime, you can hear more by checking out the blog and podcast, Radio radiodramarevival.com. You'll find a link to subscribe to the weekly show, archives of previous episodes, reviews, the In-Depth Malleus series by Chris Duker, my own column, Fred's Views. And while you're there, why not join the conversation, leave a comment or two. You can also find us on iTunes, search for Radio Drama Revival. 
That wraps it up for this week. Radio Drama Rivals produced by me, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains to their producers, but please do share the show as much as you would like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Greater Portland, Maine's community radio station. This podcast at RadioDramaRevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.